0: So happy Super Bowl Sunday to everyone here at Amazing Love. And I recognize that Super Bowl Sunday, it's a day where we're tempted to miss the point of it all because there's so much around the actual game. For instance, you have the commercials. I don't know if anyone is looking forward to the commercials. I remember this one by Mountain Dew and the Puppy Monkey Baby. I always like the funny ones. That's me. Uh, You have the food. Anyone doing uh, pizza or chicken wings? Pizza or chicken wings? Chips. How about chips? Okay, we're doing chips. Not pizza and chicken wings, by the way. Um, you have the halftime show. Justin Timberlake, who is not bringing back Sync, I guess. Um, something to look forward to. But um, uh, You also have the social environment. Maybe you're going uh, to be with friends. And because of all of these things in the periphery, it's easy to miss the point that this is all about football. And to confirm my theory, I was just wondering, is anyone willing to admit they're, they're looking more forward towards the commercials than the game? Anyone? More forward to the, the, the food than the game. More forward to the social environment? Okay, a few people. Or, or the halftime show? Anyone? right? Yeah, and that happens, right? It's easy to miss the point of the actual game, and that's okay, that's okay. I consider that there are other days and other circumstances like this. For example, if you bring any kid to a specific restaurant, let's say you take them to a Mexican restaurant, you take them to an Italian restaurant, you take them to a Greek restaurant, you know what they always get? Chicken tenders, right? Which kind of misses the point. You're going to a Mexican restaurant, you should have a taco, Right? Uh, You missed the point of that organization. Uh, I consider another day that is coming up, Valentine's Day. Guys, you're welcome. I'm reminding you today, right? And the point of Valentine's Day is very clear. There is a way to win and lose, guys. You win by spending money, time, and emotion. If you do not do this, you will lose. There is no way for you to win on Valentine's Day, but you will lose. Even if your wife says she is fine without anything, maybe especially if she says she is fine, you will lose. The point of Valentine's Day, right? Well, we, we came to church, right? And, um, and there's a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, at Amazing Love, we have donuts, and it's fantastic. Sometimes they're Krispy Kreme. It's delicious. At Amazing Love, there are great people. In fact, I believe some of the neatest people that you'll ever meet are in this church. I really believe that. There are things for the kids to do. We, we got foosball upstairs and an air hockey table. We got children's programming. There's, there's comfy seats and, and there's beautiful music. All of these things, right? But what are we really here to do and what are we really here to see? I think it's all about Jesus, right? And so we start this series and I just want to confirm that a church without primary emphasis on Jesus misses the point. And that also means, I don't, I don't know why you came today, but if you came for anything else in the periphery, if you didn't come to, to hear about Jesus or learn what he has done, you may just leave disappointed because it is all about him. You know, the word of God reminds us of that. The Apostle Paul, he was writing some Christians in, in Corinth, and he says, Jesus is the point, guys. He, he said this, he said, no one can lay any foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is Jesus. Now, that, that strikes us true because next, year, next week, if you come, we're celebrating nine years. Nine years as a church by That's crazy, right? And, and what has been the foundation? What should be the foundation forever? Should it not be the Savior God? Jesus, who we proclaim, regardless of where we meet and what it looks like. Because remember when we met in Hickory Creek? We, We didn't have our own concrete slab. We were borrowing a cafetorium, right? Remember when we didn't have these chairs? Yeah, we had some folding chairs. They hurt my butt after a while. Right? But none of those things really mattered because we recognized, even when we first gathered, this was going to be about Jesus. On Him we build. This is about a message that the world desperately needs to hear that when we were His enemies, Christ died for us. That He's so radically loving, He loves the unlovable, which is us, you and me. And this Jesus, He is the hope. In uncertain times, he is peace in troubled seas. He is the light in the darkness, and an amazing love. We have called him love. We have called him Lord, and he's the point. He's the central figure, and so we begin this series called Jesus. And I wonder what can you expect through this series. You know, I was reading my personal devotion, and and one of the things uh, that has been emphasized in this church have I ever encouraged you to read your Bible. Have you Ever heard that before? It's like, I have two soapboxes. Read your Bible and invite people here. Right? That's it. I stand on them a lot. Read your Bible, invite people here. That's all. Okay? Well, I was was reading from Colossians this past week, and it was telling me, you know, what Paul's desire was for his church. Look at these beautiful words. He says, My goal, this was Paul the pastor, that they might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Would there be anyone willing to admit they need some treasure of wisdom and knowledge? They need something more than, than what has been offered through the greatest TED Talk. They need something that only he can reveal through his word. And that's really what's at stake when we gather to look at Jesus. He can reveal things. He can confirm things. He can give things that no one else can. In fact, he said, I came to give you life and life to the full. No one else is offering that. So today we begin our journey on our Jesus series, and uh, we're going to take a look at his earthly ministry. Uh, Today we're going to take a look at at when his earthly ministry began, and it kind of reminds me, sometimes we, we see how other people began. I consider a Tom Brady. Does anyone know where Tom Brady began his college football career, where he was at? Michigan, right? And now Patriots for 18 years? Does he really need another ring? Come on, share. Anyway. Um, well, well, Jesus, where, where, where did he get his beginning? Where, where is his roots found? Not, not Michigan. Uh, rather, we believe that, that when he got baptized, that's really the, the, the start, um, the introduction of Jesus onto the scene as he begins his ministry. And so we're going to take a look at that and, and see what happens there. And an amazing love, we've been doing something different in the past weeks. We've been standing in honor of the word of God. So I invite you to please Stand. Uh, just as we recognize it as God ultimately speaking to us through this preserved word. He preserved it in a powerful way uh, so that we have what we need. And, And what does it say? Here it is. Then Jesus came. I was thinking of preaching a whole sermon just on like those three words. Just the fact that Jesus would draw near to you and me instead of going the opposite way. Just the fact that he was willing to arrive on the scene when everyone needed him, just the fact that he showed up is grace, friends. Then Jesus came to you and to me from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Well, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. We'll talk about this. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son. Now, a few things here. We know God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see them all here. Spirit's the dove, Father's the voice. And here, Jesus is not being called a good teacher, is he? He's not being called a good man or a historical figure or a prophet, even. What is he being called? Son of God. Son of God. To everyone or any other organization that would like to say he's anything but, they have not heard this word. Jesus is the Son of God, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. These are words we get to talk about. Before you sit down, can you find three people and tell them lead by example? Lead by example. Lead by example. Maybe seated, maybe seated. I became a homeowner a couple years ago. Any homeowners here? It is amazing what you learn based on what breaks in your home. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you had any breakage happening lately. In the past three years, I have learned how to fix, uh, well, this year was a refrigerator. I had to put a heater in a refrigerator. Isn't that crazy? right? Um, I had to fix um, a door handle most recently. Um, I had to fix our dryer. I mean, a lot of different things. But, but if, if you've learned what I've learned, sometimes you come to a repair that is above your pay grade, right? That no YouTube video can really help you with. And for me, it was in the laundry room. There, there was a vent leading outside, and there was moisture building around the vent, and I saw what was every homeowner's worst nightmare. It is mold. You guys are smart, right? Black mold, right? And I knew immediately I couldn't handle it. So what do I do? I call actually a member here and uh, who happens to be a lot smarter, a master builder, and sure enough, was able to help me with my mold problem. And I think anyway that I don't have mold in my house, or I'd like to believe that. I'd like to believe that, right? My point of bringing this up, though, is that don't you recognize there is wisdom in knowing when to ask for help, Right? That's the first thing. There's wisdom in recognizing when you need help. A few years back, before Siri and GPS, people would get lost in their cars. It was, it was, it was a common thing. And something that you would do is, is you would be a guy driving and you would not want to pull over. You would not want to admit you were lost even though your wife knew, right? And yet there was no wisdom in this. <laughs> there was no wisdom in keeping going in the wrong direction and wasting time and gas money and all of that. No, it was always more wise to stop at the gas station and ask people, "Where am I going?" There's wisdom in recognizing your need for help. Well I got a point, friends, as we turn to the Word of God, which we're focused on, we look at John the Baptist, John, John the Baptist, and he is wise. He's so wise. In fact, Jesus calls him one of the greatest people who ever lived. I don't know if you're familiar with the acronym GOAT. Anyone heard of that? Greatest of all time. John the Baptist is the GOAT of humanity after Jesus. Here, here's my proof. Uh, it says, this was Jesus talking. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. That's a pretty good declaration. And one of the things I see is is that he is so smart. He is the goat for, for one singular reason. Because he recognizes what he needs. In our lesson, it says, I need to be baptized by you. He understands who Jesus is. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one who brings gifts. John can't help Jesus. Jesus needs to help John. And this is spiritual wisdom. Friends, I don't, I don't know if, if you're new to church or if you've been walking with, with Jesus for a long time, but, but I need to tell you where wisdom spiritually starts and where it ends. Wisdom spiritually starts and ends by recognizing your need for Jesus' help. By humbling yourself and saying, I need direction. Jesus, you have something that I need. And what's interesting and maybe what stops us from doing this is because needy people in this world aren't so fun. I know there are some moms in the house of God. Do you remember when your children were infants and toddlers? Do you remember trying to go to the bathroom when they were infants and toddlers? What did they do? What did those needy little things do? They knock on the door. They put their hand under the door. They kick the door. They'll even grab a knife to try to, like, get through. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, but, but they don't let you be, right? These needy little creatures. Can I get a second arrest, right? We're, we're familiar also. You don't have to be a mom to know needy people. We have a needy, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend along the way, and that's why you cut it off. Maybe it was a needy friend along the way. And, and needy people are hard for us because we don't have um, unlimited bandwidth, Right? We don't have unlimited energy, right? We have specific time, right? We need to recognize today is the almighty power of Jesus Christ. Do you know he loves needy people? Do you know that's actually a good description of the church of God? We're we're like needy people. That's, That's all it is. We're just needy people coming in saying, I I need help at school. I need help with my kids. I need help with finances. I need help with end-of-life issues. I need help with the guilt and the shame that I carry around. I need help. And, And the answer that we find in Jesus is that he is helper. Jesus, when we knock on the door, he opens it. He doesn't say I'm too busy. But as a people, we're not so good at asking for help. No, we're not. And maybe you've had this scenario and don't poke the person next to you that's been driving and you didn't stop for directions and you continued in your lostness. You know, there were people that also continued in their lostness at the time of Jesus. Their name were Pharisees. The Pharisees at that time, they said, Jesus, we don't need your direction. We know exactly where we're going, even though they were completely lost. And Jesus got so frustrated with them because they didn't bow in humility. They, they, They didn't recognize their need. He got so frustrated that he said these words. He said on hearing this from the Pharisees, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He didn't call them healthy. He just said, You don't recognize you're sick, and so I can't help you. What about you? No, it's not manly. It might not even be American. But are you willing to recognize you're needy? If you are, you're in a good place. See, what we do and and maybe where neediness starts is just recognizing again our imperfections, recognizing that we have sin, that we have guilt, and that we have shame and that Jesus can do something about it. If that is where you are today, I have good news for you. It's okay to be needy because Jesus is the help. I came across this passage about Jesus as helper and what does he help us with? I was reading from 1 John, it said, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, which can also mean helper, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He can help us with our sin problems. And we know this because of Jesus' ministry. We know the beginning of his ministry, the middle, and the end. We know that in the beginning of his ministry, he was baptized by water. Towards the end, he'd be baptized by fire. That he would deal with hell itself as he was rejected by the Father, bearing the curse of sin. That on the cross, he paid the punishment for all of our sins. But we also know how the ministry ends. That he rose from the dead. That he conquered everything that kept us down. That he was the price of our redemption, the price of our freedom, and we are set free in him. Yes, Jesus, he might have died according to his humanity, but he rose according to his divinity to prove what the Father said, this is my son, this is Savior. And you know what happens when needy people meet the Almighty One? There's joy. There is joy in the house of God. When we, the needy, meet the Almighty, isn't that what we've been doing the last nine years? I don't know about you. Last nine years, I've come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I've had need, and God has met them. God has changed my emotions. God has reminded me of forgiveness. God has set me on the right path through his word, through his guidance. I am just a needy one who wants to meet with the Almighty because I know what can happen there. Has it been happening to you? We, the needy, who meet with the Almighty and are never the same again, that's just what we do as a church. That's what we're going to continue to do needy and almighty mix. But you know what I was struck by in this lesson? I was struck by the one who had no need acting as if he had need. It's like craziness. I was struck by the sinless son of God being willing to be baptized. It's like, Jesus, you don't, you don't need that. You're not needy. And so we got, we got to talk about that a little bit. And it kind of reminds me of um, righteous role models, You ever see a good role model? I was uh, watching uh, some sports stuff last night, and T.J. Watt, the uh, man of the year, because of all what he did with the hurricane uh, in Houston area, right? And, And he's kind of that righteous role model, right? It's something to aspire to. And I think our world needs righteous role models, doesn't it? Right? We need that in government. We need that at home. We need that in school. We need that in church. Righteous role models. I don't know if you've ever been a parent trying to be a righteous role model when it came to eating. You ever been at the dinner table and, and the kids are like this? Right? You got to be a righteous role model though, don't you? And, and for me, who struggles with vegetables, right? Have I, by the way, have you ever walked into a house that was cooking broccoli and you were just like, someone has the flu, but no, it's broccoli. Just, just kidding, right? Just, it's broccoli. It's a great smell. Sorry, broccoli lovers. I don't like Broccoli. But anyway, what, what do you I feel like? Uh, what president didn't like broccoli? Anyway, um, but what do we do? Even though broccoli was made and it's not our favorite, as a parent trying to teach our children, we grab the big broccoli and we bite it we go, mmm, tastes good. Right? And this technique also works when your spouse has messed up the meal. Mmm, it's a keeper, it's burnt, right? <laughs> Think you forgot this all anyway? Right? And this is just what we do. We're, we're righteous role models. And and this is again what Jesus is doing. L- look again at the verse. It says, Jesus said, Let it be so. Just just let it be. I know it's it's weird. I'm not needy. I, I know I should give something to you, but let it be so we can fulfill all righteousness. Now, right now, he's starting his ministry. 30 years prior to that, Scripture is pretty silent, but what he was doing in those 30 years was fulfilling all righteousness. Every day he woke up, he was living right before God under the same laws so that we through faith could accept that righteousness, so we could be credited that righteousness. And right now, as he is being baptized, he is just giving us the proper posture. That's all he's doing. He's trying to fulfill all righteousness by teaching us what it is to receive grace. And so here was the phenomenal statement that just ran in my mind. That the one who had no need acted as if he had need so we would have the proper posture. The one who had, let me say it again, the one who had no need acted as if he had need so we would gain the proper posture. So that when it came to the things of God, we would not reject them. We would not run away from them. But if Jesus did them, we would just eat the vegetables just like he did. Right? Right? So Jesus is modeling, receiving that grace in baptism. And baptism, it is so much better than broccoli. That's where my illustration limps, friends. So much better than broccoli. What is baptism? Okay, that's a good question. I'll never forget playing with these as a child. I've used this before as my illustration for baptism. Remember these capsules? What happens when you put them in water? It's magic, right? They're no longer capsules, are they? I have, does anyone know what this is? You see? It's a butterfly, right? And that's another good example, right? What does a butterfly do? A butterfly it was once a, a caterpillar that goes into a chrysalis and comes out completely new. What happens in baptism? We might start somewhere and then God transforms us through the water, through what he is doing, not what we're doing. Consider what Titus says baptism is. Titus says it's a washing of, can you say that word? Rebirth. And and it can also be one of renewal. So if you've already been a Christian, you get baptized, you can be renewed in it. But many of us were reborn through our baptism. Many of us were baptized as infants because of the grace of God that he gives to us in the sacrament. How awesome. And it's needed. It's needed. It reminds me of a conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. Remember this conversation, and Nicodemus was like, how do I be right with you? And Jesus was telling him, I'll tell you, you ought to be reborn. And Nicodemus was like, reborn. And he was thinking about a physical birth. Like, how am I going to, you know, mom, I need to go back in the, you know, and that doesn't work. It, read it. That's what it says. He was really wondering, how do I be reborn physically again? But he wasn't talking about a physical rebirth. Was he? he was talking about spiritual rebirth. And how does spiritual rebirth happen? He said very truly, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of, can you say that word? water and the Spirit, which is a direct reference to baptism because through water and the Spirit we're made alive. Peter on Pentecost says, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Forgiveness is offered in these beautiful waters. He wants something for you. He wants to give you something in this tremendous gift But I wonder, how good are you at receiving gifts? Would your spouse or the person next to you say you're good at receiving gifts? I'm working on it. There, there, are, there are days when it's easy. Like sometimes for your birthday, you might expect a gift from your spouse. Okay. So, but, but you know what? The gifts are really hard to accept. The ones that are way beyond what you think you deserve. And again, none of them are deserved. But, but have you ever gotten one that goes way beyond what you think you deserve? Ever got one of those? For me, my my common reaction in getting those is always like, no, I can't. (laughs) You should have it back, right? For me, I'm intimidated by it because I'm like, if this is merit-based, you must know I am not worthy of this one. Please, no, right? You're you're fearful of the pressure. And so those big gifts kind of make you reluctant to accept them because they're just so far beyond what, what you know you deserve. But Jesus is teaching us a different way. And what Jesus is teaching us, I believe, is to accept, well, has anyone gotten Alexis with a bow? Yeah, no one. All right, stop making those commercials. But Jesus is teaching us um, to receive gifts we don't deserve, right? That's his posture. You need to baptize me, why? So that me can model what it is to graciously receive something I don't even need. So that needy people might get in the habit of understanding where faith ends and where it begins. It ends and begins all by receiving the gifts that we don't deserve. In fact, that's what I love about infant baptism. When I couldn't speak anything, when I couldn't produce anything, I was given the gift of God for my salvation, something far beyond what I deserved. But you know what's interesting? Walking with God. This understanding gets blurred. Because after a while, I don't know if your experience is like mine, after a while I think, well, I have done stuff for Jesus. Maybe now I've deserved some of these gifts. You ever been there? I have walked with Jesus and now the line is blurred. Now maybe I'm trying to think that that what I have is merit-based. And I'm here to remind myself and I'm here to remind you that we began in grace and we continue in grace and we're going to end in grace. That what we have isn't up to the merits that we have done The grace of God is not based on what we deserve. Rather, he's teaching us to give and accept more than we've ever deserved. He's modeling that for us today. And so today, if there's anyone who hasn't been baptized or maybe their children were not baptized, receive the gift. This is an invitation. Receive the gift that he offers. And for some of us, maybe most of us, who have been baptized. We have other work to do. Our homework is a little bit different. Our homework is this. We need to remember and find a reminder of what God did for us. I was thinking in this moment, maybe we could just remember it. In fact, I know I have you talk sometimes. Could you just spend a minute or two, talk to someone next to you and tell them when and where you were baptized? When and where you were baptized? When and where you were baptized? Remember the grace of God. The grace of God. And so for me, my story spiritually is like the older brother who never left the father's house. And it all started, I believe, um, my dad was a missionary in El Paso, Texas. And he was starting a church in El Paso and we were meeting at a YMCA, not a cafetorium, a YMCA. And we weren't in the swimming pool of the YMCA, that's a different thing, that's what kids do. But we were in the YMCA and that is where I was baptized as an infant. And when I could give nothing to God, he gave everything to me. Oh, awesome. And how do we then remember? How do we form this in our minds? Well, I, I think of what they do for something as silly as the Super Bowl. If you win the Super Bowl, what is one way to you remember it by? You have one of these honking, have you ever seen? This is the first Super Bowl ring. Uh, they had this uh, display of the rings um, downtown Chicago when they had the NFL draft. I don't know if you remember, it was a couple years ago when they did that. And and it's funny to me how uh, you're going to have one victory that that you remember by, you know, um, by by this ring. And it it was also funny to me how they got bigger. Like, they started pretty small. This was last year's. And, And like, double the size. It can't even help you with that picture. And what's interesting to me is that a Super Bowl will not be celebrated for eternity. As much as I love football... And when the Packers win, sorry Bears, we're not going to talk about it forever. But you know what I think we will be talking about forever? The grace of God to the undeserved. And if that's what we're going to be talking about, why aren't we remembering it? Why aren't we reminding ourselves of it more and more and more? So I don't know what your solution is. I don't know if you get a ring. I don't know if you get a mirror. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you start your prayers saying, remember my baptism when I could do nothing. You gave me everything. I don't know what it is, but I would love for you to remember what our God did for us. As he himself modeled what it was to receive grace. Now, let me pray for you as we close. We pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. I thank you for the humility He had to receive what He didn't need. Help us to receive your gifts of grace, not deny them from a sense of pride or a sense of overwhelmment at the cost of the gift, but just receive them in appreciation of the riches of your grace. Strengthen the faith of all who have been baptized and lead many more to receive this precious gift. In Jesus' name, amen.